today on Ag News Daily. We're giving the money back to the member owners, the people that show up every day to milk their cows, to feed their animals, to harvest their grain. Happy Friday, June 23rd, 2023. Tanner and Delaney here just to bring you the latest headlines. I think I'm just going to sit back and relax while Delaney takes the show and (laughs) runs with it. Tanner, you don't even have at least some weather news for our listeners. Oh, I can always come up with weather news. We still have extreme heat indexes for our friends in southern Oklahoma, northern Texas. The heat and humidity will significantly increase the potential for heat-related illnesses if you're working outside or participated in outdoor activities. Thunderstorms, because of that heat, will follow through, bringing potential for hail and high winds. Back here in Iowa, we've got some thunderstorms forecasted after midnight tonight that could potentially turn severe here. We've got some excess heat in our area. Temperatures in that south central region of the U.S. could push to over 110 degrees, while temperatures here in Iowa could be seen uh, getting close to 90 degrees. The five-day rainfall totals could be one to three inches for the Corn Belt from Nebraska through Iowa, Minnesota into the other I states over the next five days. So we can hope to see a potential drink for some areas that are much needed for rain. And Tanner, we also got the U.S. Drought Monitor's most recent reflection of drought across the United States and things worsened for much of Corn Belt country. The drought is now covering 64% of U.S. corn crops and about 57% of soybean crops across the U.S., which is a pretty sizable jump from last week when we were at just 57% of corn and 51% of soybeans. But according to the drought monitor released on Thursday, here's the conditions that expanded across across the Midwest. D1, which is moderate drought, jumped by almost 10 percentage points to now 58.5%. D2, which is severe drought, increased just shy of 8 percentage points. And D3, which is extreme drought, inched up by just about a point and a half here to about 3 or 2.5% extreme drought in the total country. But as a short-term result of this, the 30 to 90 day dryness is going to continue to worsen according to the drought monitor. And this weekly decline was also reflected in this week's crop progress report, which noted significant drops in crop condition rating standards. So I'd say it's probably safe to assume we'll see that again reflected on next week's crop conditions reports as well. Yeah, it's going to be one that we'll continue to watch, especially when we look at the week following if some of this rain does come through as predicted ethanol output for the week jumped to its highest level in more than six months and inventories for the first time in quite a while also increased according to the energy information administration delaney how many barrels of oil fill an olympic sized pool Mm, Ten thousand. You're closer than I thought you were going to get. Okay, that's ten thousand. And the production for the last seven days, ending June sixteenth, was a little over one point oh five two million barrels per day. 
That's up from the 1.018 million barrels per day the week before that, and the highest level since December 29th. That means that they had produced nearly 65 Olympic-sized swimming pools of ethanol per day over that same seven-day stretch. The Rocky Mountain region was the only region that declined in production. The other areas in the United States rose. The ethanol stockpiles rose during that same time period, inventories were up to 22.804 million barrels, up from 22.226. So it's good to see stockpiles starting to rebound, but we'd like to keep demand up, Delaney. Yeah, I was wondering there for a second where you were going with the Olympic swimming pool question. <laughs> so thanks for bringing that full circle for me. You bet. It's a fun Friday, right? So we got to add a little extra to our news. Well, it may not be fun for folks out in D.C. who are fighting to get a farm bill done. We've heard news now this week that Congress may need to pass a short-term extension for one of the country's biggest packages ever, as they're not coming to agreement, it sounds like, Tanner, on some key pieces of the next U.S. farm bill. According to Senate and House committee, Farm Committee people on Thursday, they said that a short-term bill was likely going to get passed as the current farm bill expires on September 30th, which is really just about a couple months away here. Senator Debbie, Debbie Stabenow, chairwoman of the Senate Agricultural Committee, said, I would not, it would not surprise me if lawmakers passed a short-term extension. And Tanner, this has been done in the past where we've seen short-term extensions passed, but this isn't boding well for seeing things get to the finish line here on time this year. And really, you know, we haven't heard a ton about what's going to be in this next farm bill. I know they've had some hearings and whatnot in the uh, House and Senate, but we haven't gotten a good indication really of if things are going to change and if so, how things are going to change for this farm bill. Yeah, and it always seems like, too, when the uh, option for an extension happens, then we kind of lose a little bit of urgency as far as planning and negotiations go. Quick update, the search for the missing submersible vessel Titan that has been missing since Sunday had debris fields found by the U.S. Coast Guard. About noon Eastern time, press release was sent out. A debris field was discovered in the search area by an ROV near the Titanic. Experts within the Unified Command Center are evaluating that information. It is now taking to uh, experts clashing over the theories as to what had happened to the submersible device. And ultimately, without a full recovery of a majority of the vehicle, the uh, speculations may only be that without being able to come to conclusive evidence. In Russia and Ukraine, the prime minister of Ukraine is saying that they need to have patience after Western officials said the early stages of the counteroffensive are not meeting expectations. Ukraine acclaimed partial success in two areas of their southern front on Friday. They've conducted offensive operations in the occupied city of Melitopol and the port of Berdanesk. It, the Ukrainian spokesman had stated at least three people were dead, unfortunately, following Russian attacks in the southern area. Ukraine shelling, though, continued to provide more damage to the area. Unfortunately, the shelling did damage a key bridge that connected the southern Kyrgyzstan region to Crimea. A Russian-backed official is stating that Ukraine claimed this as a gradual advance in the southern reason. region, however, is going to provide uh, an unaccessible area for that region. 
For the last eight months, residents of Kirsten have lived under brutal occupation of Russian uh, Russian occupation. So they are looking forward for Ukrainian forces that have swept into the area to liberate the city. But that's what I've got for updates on those two stories that we've touched base with most of the week. Yeah, and we also got a little bit of a surprising headline from Ukraine as the one of the Ukrainian senior diplomats said, they're 99.9% certain, Tanner, that the UN broker deal will end July 18th and that Russia is not going to continue on with any sort of extension deal here as they no longer need Ukrainian ports to export ammonia. So that's uh, some pretty damning evidence there. Yeah, that's uh, I had missed that update, but correct. That's not positive news. Well, Tanner. This is an interesting story for our listeners for this Friday episode, but Mount Solitude Ranch down on the fringes of San Antonio, Texas in Bexar County, a 3,600 acre ranch, which has had cattle on it over the years, but also mostly used for solitude as the name uh, insinuates and a relaxing time for people to get away from the day-to-day shift of the city located just 30 miles away from San Antonio. Tanner, how much do you think this ranch was listed for? 3,600 acres. Uh, 36 million. Oh, not even close. Uh, Double that number. We're getting closer. Mount Solitude Ranch was listed for a whopping $79.9 million, Tanner. You got that kind of pocket change laying around? No. No, do not. Well, I don't know who does, but it's going to be interesting to see who buys it. It's got a lot of historical buildings and compounds on the ranch as well. And this ranch in particular dates back to the 1850s, now currently held by the Thompson family, which uh, I don't know. It looks like a very beautiful ranch, but it seems like a very high price tag and you're going to have to find just the right buyer for it. Yeah, and uh, presumably probably end up being partially developed would be my guess. Uh, Last piece of news that I've got for today is just technology advancements. Every year in the textile industry, they use about 1.3 trillion gallons of water to dye garments and clothing. It's enough to fill 2 million Olympic-sized swimming pools, if you catch my theme there, Delaney. (laughs) Most of this water is loaded with harmful chemicals and dyes and flows untreated into rivers and streams, unfortunately. That's why researchers have now created a new nanomaterial that they can use to clean up these dyes and other water pollutants from the industrial wastewater, which may also contain nutritional value for crops. So the material consists of tiny sand-like grains that are only visible to the naked eye in clusters. They collect the pollutants on their surface in their pores and then are able to be extracted. The nanomaterial consists of a substance called a polymer that mimics glue that uses muscles and thickens themselves to rocks combining with a solvent that extracts the dye. But even more, this is crucially eco-friendly and could potentially provide value as some of the effects of the extraction could produce nutrient-rich water that crops could utilize. Not safe for drinking, however, toxic experts have said they will continue to work to clean pollutants out to where it could be safe drinking water, but ultimately 
could now create a repurposed product coming out of the textile industry, Delaney. Well, Tanner, as we head into chatting markets, just a couple of other quick headlines here. Not necessarily markets related, but definitely economics related. Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell continued his testimony this week before Senate banking committees and stated that a couple more rate hikes may be necessary yet this year as the Fed is continuing to battle inflation. Tanner, last I recall, they were indicating maybe only one or two more interest rate hikes, and it sounds like that may not be the case now. Uh, Yeah, it's so mixed in our industry right now as to what signals they're going to give, but yes, it's looking less and less likely. Well, the other thing that's looking less likely are big placement numbers here for the USDA's cattle on feed report, which drops later this afternoon. This report will be the accurate representation. USDA says as of June 1, how many cattle are on feed in the report. And as of this point, the market data is clearly indicating that placements will be greater than a year ago. Uh, As we're looking at imports from other countries, we're looking at continued to push pushing cattle on feed. USDA will release that port here report here at 2 p.m. Central Time on Friday afternoon. So Marcus won't be able to trade through that news until Monday or really Sunday night, Tanner. But this could be a reflection of what we see in the feedlots. And as we turn our attention into the markets, we saw some heavy sell-off in the overnights here as corn is trading significantly lower this morning, even though we're seeing some dry parts of Illinois and Iowa for the weekend. Forecasts have turned slightly drier, but all in all, markets are still reacting negatively, even with some scattered rainfall but not strong rainfall in the forecast. July corn down 18 and a quarter cent in the overnight at 642 and a quarter. Deese new crop corn down 20 cents in the overnights. We'll open right around the $6 mark here this morning. July soybeans down 25 and three quarters cents at 1474 and three quarters. Nove new crop beans down 34 and a half cents at 1305. As we take a look at the hard red winter wheat markets, July down 17 in the overnight at 8.54 and hopping over into the livestock markets to see where they closed and will open here this morning. August live cattle added $1.40 yesterday to buck seventy-one fifteen. August feeder cattle added $2.95 at $2.30.67 and July lean hogs down $2.90 yesterday at ninety-one eighty-five. Tanner, we are kicking things over to Jennifer once again, who's helping us out with today's Friday interview. So let's turn it over to her conversation. To keep this internship train rolling with some podcast interviews, today we have Abby Wing with us. She's currently the member relations intern for Lando Lakes located in Minneapolis. How are you doing this morning, Abby? I'm doing very well, Jennifer. How are you? I am doing great. I'm great to be back with the podcast. I'm great to be back with the podcast. I'm happy to be back with the podcast and ready to talk to you this morning about everything Lando Lakes. So with your member relations intern, give us a rundown of what you've been up to this summer. We're about halfway through the summer or so, so you've got a good point underneath of you. So what have you done and what are you preparing to do? Yes. So 
I've, I've been spending most of my summer so far learning about Lando Lakes as a cooperative um, and also learning about what member relations is and what we do. So member relations is um, within like one of the areas of Lando Lakes and it in my team, I'm in the rule and shared services within member relations. So in my area, we do work internally and externally with Lando Lake. So we do internal work, but we also work externally with our member owners. Um, and so far, my big project is creating a SharePoint site for one of our programs that we have within rule and shared services. So I've been chatting with member owners, um, managers in different parts of Lando Lakes, and really just getting a good feel of what Lando Lakes is and what they stand for. Um, I've really enjoyed my time so far. Um, I've grown a lot as a person in my last five weeks that I've had. Um, when you mentioned being halfway through the summer, that made me so sad because I genuinely love working for Lando Lakes and it's such a great company and opportunity for me to have. Um, and I'm just sad that it's already halfway over. Um, but next week we are visiting, um, a, a dairy that works with Lando Lakes. So I'm very excited for that. Um, I've had the opportunity to go to town hall meetings to learn a little bit more about the business. Um, I've made quite a few connections within the enterprise cooperation. Um, and I'm just really learning a lot this summer and learning about what Lando Lakes is. Because when I took the internship, I was like, oh, butter. Perfect. I love their butter. They have great hot chocolate. That's great. Um, it's so much more than that. Um, right now we have a great CEO. Her name is Beth Ford. Um, I had the opportunity to meet her. She is so passionate and genuinely cares about her employees and what Lando Lakes is doing to impact the world. Um, because we have some pillars where we give back to like food insecurity, innovating agriculture, um, those kind of things. And it's just great to work for a company that the executive leadership team is actually doing what they can for these services. Um, so that was a little bit of a spiel, but I hope my point came across. <laughs> Absolutely. It sounds like they have first been keeping you very busy, but second, making sure that you are having a great time and learning the most you can while you're with them this summer. So between all of that, what have been your favorite activities within Lando Lakes and why? And what are some things that you've learned from doing them? Um, my favorite, that's really hard because it's all my favorite. Um, so they have employee resource groups. That's kind of like clubs within the company where there's ones for like pride and African ancestry and veterans and new parents. And it's just, it's super great that as an intern, you're able to sit in on those employee resource, resource groups and be a part of the employee resource group. And that's a great way for me not only to learn more about um, how I can be an ally for veterans or for African ancestry or for pride, um, but I also get to network with those people that are in those employee resource groups that I wouldn't be able to meet otherwise. Um, for example, I met with someone from community relations where um, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to meet with them if I didn't kind of get my foot in the door and be like, oh, we're both at this coffee chat. Like, that's so fun. Like, I'd love to talk to you more. Um, and that's a great way to not only, like I said before, like learn how to be an ally, but also how to grow as an individual in 
like a corporate setting because I am at the corporate Lando Lakes office this summer. I don't know if I mentioned that. I really have enjoyed all the skills I've been learning. I've used SharePoint on kind of the other, like the user end, not the kind of like programmer creator end. So it's been quite a learning curve, but that's what I love. I really enjoy the opportunity to be challenged, but also to be using or like spending my time in the internship, actually doing something for the company. Because I feel like sometimes interns are, they kind of get like the busy work, kind of like the, oh, go do this, like, oh, go do that. But this is, but I, my project is that SharePoint site. So I need to make sure to get it done. I need to schedule interviews. I need to create materials and do all of these things so that the SharePoint site um, will be able to be used once I'm done with my time at Lando Lakes. Um, and my goal is to have it done um, by the first week of August, because at the end of our internship, we all give presentations about what we did um, and kind of a recap of our summer. So I want to have it mostly done. So then I'm able to walk through the site when I give my presentation. That is amazing. Like I said earlier, it sounds like your internship has been incredible and you have definitely been learning and doing a lot. So taking all of this knowledge that you have been gaining throughout the through the summer so far and directing it more towards Lando Lakes as a whole, as a company, what are some things that listeners should know about Lando Lakes when it comes to agriculture or purchasing their products and whatnot? Yes. So the first thing I think that everyone should know about Lando Lakes is that it is a cooperative. We show up every single day to work for our member owners. It's not some big corporation where um, we're just taking your money and putting in, you know, like it's, we're giving the money back to the member owners, the people that show up every day to milk their cows, to feed their animals, to harvest their grain, like to do all of these things are the money we make. Yes, it goes to the people's salaries, but it goes back to them. Um, and by purchasing Lando Lakes products, you are purchasing um, real products that have been made by farm or by our member owners that, that it's usually, it's usually like families that um, show up and have this operation and it's been passed down for families. So you're, you're really investing into your local communities. Um, Lando Lakes touches, I believe it's like 50% of the farms in the nation. Um, that statistic might be wrong, but I know it's 50% touching something. Um, so I think it's like some kind of agriculture standpoint. So um, Lando Lakes is also owns like Winfield United. So that's um, a co-op that's in like most places. Um, like there's one in Story City or Iowa, which is like 30 minutes or like 15 minutes north of Ames. Um, so Lando Lakes is huge. It's not just butter. That's another thing that actually, well, member owners, it's a cooperative first, then that it's not just butter. Um, because Lando Lakes is a little bit of Purina. It's um, research and development. It's investing in employees. It's just, it's such a great business. And yes, as a broke college student, do I want to pay the extra dollar or two for the butter? No, I do not. But will I? Yes, because I know as an employee that Lando Lakes genuinely cares about the member owners. Um, another thing that I would want people to know about Lando Lakes is just how much work they're doing to be the next step in the agriculture industry. 
they're very innovative with sustainability practices. Um, there's a part of Lando Lakes called Truterra, and that business opportunity is really just how do we do our practices better? How do we sustain the earth? And they recently got like a, I want to say it was like a $90 million grant from the USDA um, to invest back into farmers. And like that money would be used for sustainability practices. So right now, one of my side projects that we're working on is creating materials to give to the members to um, be able to receive that money so they can A, um, get that big tax write-off or like all that money um, and B, to be helpful for the world and to lessen or get carbon credits and all that fun stuff. Um, so really the main thing is that Land Lakes is a cooperative with member owners and two, not just butter, it's a great business. And three, um, they're actively working to sustain the world really. Um, lots of great information about agriculture and the company and staying true to your morals when deciding um, what, what products to purchase when you're in the grocery store. And I do have another question. You keep mentioning member owners. Um, could you explain for listeners who may not know what a member owner is and some things that you've learned when you have had the opportunities to meet with them? Yes. So a member owner, this term is mainly used in cooperatives. So to be a member of the cooperative, you kind of buy in, you buy the products, you sell your products. Um, but in turn, you are an owner of that cooperative because you are selling money or you are buying products or earning money from this cooperative. So you are a member, but you also own some of it. And one thing that I've really learned from talking to the member owners is just, well, first of all, they're just great people. Like they are so passionate about what they're doing and they know like there's a reason and a purpose that they show up every day. Um, and another thing that I've learned from them um, is just how much like work goes into what they do. Um, I grew up on a small hobby farm. So I had some agriculture background, but I definitely wasn't the, the person that grew up on a row crop operation or on a cow, cow, cow calf operation or anything like that. Like I had three dairy goats. Well, I had, I had more than that, but like you get the idea. Um, so talking to people that work so hard on their dairy operation, on their crop operation, really just like in their daily lives, it's so fascinating. And it just, like, it just makes me have hope for the future of like, there are people up here that we can look up to that are showing up every day and they are member owners. They are the farmers that work so hard to make sure that we are fed, that we have what we need. But I guess like other than that, like how I feel like when I talk to them, they really enjoy like what they do. They're so passionate. Um, and also they love being a part of Lando Lakes, which is just really nice to be working for a cooperative that genuinely cares and gives back to their member owners. Amazing, Abby. Well, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We really appreciate it. What a great way to round up the week. Listeners, we'll be back with you again on Monday. Delaney, I'm excited to uh, have a couple of days here this weekend. Enjoy the heat. and Hopefully our listeners do as well. But for today, what do you say? Should we let them go? Let's let them go. Let's let them go.